0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Jim Leach Show here on WMAY. Uh, again, uh, just a reminder Sangamon County has just declared a level one winter weather emergency. It essentially means that roads are ice and snow covered. And you should use caution. It's the lowest of the three levels of emergency declaration. And right now, the snow has tapered off quite a bit. We are expecting another round of snow later on. So, again, roads uh, do have a a lot of snow on them in many areas of the county. You'll want to use some caution this afternoon. Between the weather and what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, it could be a pretty heavy day. But we're going to start with something uplifting and inspiring and For that, we turn to our guest this afternoon. She is a historian and author. She's speaking tonight at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. And that talk is on uh, regardless of the weather. Uh, We do hope you'll be able to get down there safely to hear her. Dr. Tamika Nunley joins us here this afternoon. And welcome to the program. Great to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, you are the author of "At the Threshold of Liberty: Women, Slavery, and Shifting Identities in Washington, D.C." and this will be the subject of your uh, your talk tonight. So, tell me a bit about the book. What it's about. What what you focused on uh, in this work.
1: Sure. So I begin to look at the history of the nation's capital um, from the beginning of the 19th century when it's first established and when it's first settled, and when the government establishes the capital along the Potomac, their hopes are that the city will represent all of the values of this new republic, the United States, um, and all of its egalitarian values. And so the, the major contradiction um, to that is that this capital is carved out of two of the oldest slaveholding states in the Union, and that's Maryland and Virginia. And as a result, slavery still persists. Um, throughout uh, the first half of the 19th century until the American Civil War. And so I became interested in how are black women in particular um, beginning to sort of shape, chart, chart their own course towards freedom and how are um, they able to sort of realize the ideals of liberty. Um, that we see reflected in our nation's values, um, even as the laws don't allow it at the time. And what I find is that they are doing this um, a variety of ways um, by escaping to territories north of the Mason-Dixon line um, but they're also doing it um, by purchasing their manumission, by negotiating their freedom, um, by also escaping within the city and getting connected to other networks of free African Americans. And this community becomes really important during the era in which Lincoln is President um, because during the Civil War it is this community that helps to um, support the new uh, enslaved refugees who arrived to the nation's capital during the war.
0: It's such a fascinating area of research, but because these uh, are a group of women uh, who were, I- I'm assuming, largely disenfranchised, largely excluded from you know most of the the sorts of privileges that uh, <laughs> men of mm-hmm. of, uh, of white skin and privilege uh, would have taken for granted. There, it-, it had to be difficult to really, I guess, uh, determine what was going on with them. How were you able to to really learn about and tell their stories?
1: You know, it was doing a lot of digging, and so I looked at a lot of sources that um, are not necessarily uplifting sources, but tell really important stories. And some of those sources you will find in the criminal court records where they're violating black codes or laws that specifically apply to black people. Um, I also find them in the White House, working in the White House. I find them um, uh, working as prostitutes, and I, see, I, I I find them in schools learning how to read and write. Um, and so what you find is that the identities of these women are very Um, different, and their trajectories are very different, and um, there are various degrees of unfreedom and freedom um, that they're experiencing on the ground that tell us a lot about um, what is possible for them in the nation's capital.
0: You know, th- that's another really, to to me, fascinating part of this, because Washington is the union capital. I, I think people probably generally assume that it was it, free and unencumbered uh, and, uh, and and didn't have these sorts of things going on. Uh, to what extent in your research were you really, I guess, surprised by the, the level of oppression that women of color faced in Washington, D.C., in the union capital in the years running up to the Civil War?
1: It's interesting, you know, when we think about the nation's capital today, in in a lot of ways, we associate the nation's capital with, you know, liberal ideals and and progressive ideals as well. Um, But during the time um, in which these women uh, lived in the nation's capital, slavery was alive and well until the beginning of the American Civil War. It wasn't until 1862 that Congress abolished uh, slavery in uh, the nation's capital. And so uh, for me, it wasn't surprising because it was carved out of slaveholding states that were pretty important uh, to the Southern cause um, to preserve slavery. Um, But I think that what became surprising is the degree to which um, black women helped to make the nation's capital a very liberal and progressive place because of their actions.
0: How did free black women function in a society where black women could be lawfully enslaved in Washington, D.C.?
1: Their life was incredibly precarious, right? And so um, they faced the threat of abduction, um, but they also faced a broader socioeconomic threat. And so one of the questions I ask in the book is, if you are an enslaved woman and you become free, then what? Do you become upwardly mobile? Do you become economically successful? Do you go attend a university? And, of course, those things prove to be um, very rare instances. And so um, that's when um, prostitution and sort of these illicit economies, also criminalized economies, become very important to their economic survival. Um, They have a very narrow set of options that they're facing by the time that they become legally free because of the way society is structured.
0: Talking with Dr. Tamika Nunley, she's speaking tonight at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum about her book, At the Threshold of Liberty, Women, Slavery and Shifting Identities in Washington, D.C. And not to give away too much of your talk tonight, but can you point to specific stories of sp- specific women who uh, were, were singularly uh, effective in overcoming these hurdles and challenges and, and building a, a life for themselves?
1: Absolutely. So one of the women that you'll um, see when you visit the museum is Elizabeth Keckley, who is the dressmaker to Mary Todd Lincoln. And she has a very fascinating story in which she's born enslaved in Virginia. And because she's such a talented dressmaker, is able to purchase her freedom. By the time we get to the American Civil War, she's able to do um, a lot of uh, social activism and helping those enslaved people who are coming across Union lines into the nation's capital. And there's another woman named Emmeline Wedge who's fighting for her freedom within the District of Columbia, um, not only fighting for her freedom, but for the freedom of her children and her family. And she does so uh, successfully. Um, And so there are lots of stories um, that I'm going to be sharing tonight uh, that kind of Help us to understand after the Emancipation Proclamation is passed, how does that actually happen on the ground?
0: Uh, you know, in addition to uh, the, the effect of uh, the abolition of slavery in D.C. in 1862, to, to what extent did the arrival of the Lincolns sort of change the tone and the atmosphere and the climate of Washington, D.C. when they arrived in the spring of 61?
1: It certainly changed the tone for Southerners and those who identified with the Confederate cause they saw Lincoln as an incredible threat, and so they saw his arrival as the end of slavery. Uh, Whereas Lincoln himself, um, he was seen as actually pretty moderate at the beginning of his political career. And so African Americans, while they understood that that level of moderation, they saw an opportunity to convince him otherwise, and they played a huge role in getting him to lean more progressively towards um, emancipation.
0: Dr. Nudley's speech tonight is the first in a series of presentations at the Presidential Library and Museum called For the People. There will be uh, six total of these free events throughout 2022, uh, but this is the first one tonight. Again, it is free to attend. Uh, You can make advance reservations at the uh, presidentlincoln.illinois.gov website, but you can also just come to the door tonight uh, and attend for free and hear her remarks this evening. Dr. Nunley, are you working on your next book now? What's, uh, What's in store for you and what? What areas of research are you delving into?
1: Yeah, I just finished writing my second book, um, which is about enslaved women who commit capital crimes in early Virginia and thinking about what they have to say about justice, even as um, they're not experiencing justice in the legal system that allows for their enslavement. And so hopefully that book will be coming out in maybe perhaps in a year and a half or so.
0: Well, it's going to be just a fascinating discussion this evening. And again, free of charge to attend gets underway at 7 o'clock tonight at the Presidential Library and Museum. Dr. Tamika Nunley, thank you so much for your time here this afternoon. And I hope you, despite the weather, have a wonderful turnout tonight.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.